peace tonight. We thank you, Jesus. Was well, anyone in the room thankful for Jesus? Come on, grateful for everything God's done for us. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we lift our hands? Even just in this atmosphere, in this environment, why don't you just open your heart? God, we invite you into this space. Lord, tonight, once again, we give you permission to do what you want to do. Lord, to speak. Oh, God, we're so grateful that we even know of your love. We know of your goodness. And tonight, God, I I just pray you'd come into this environment. Lord, your, your spirit would just sweep across it tonight. Lord, you'd minister to our hearts. Speak to our lives in Jesus' name. Come on, if everyone believes in Jesus, can you give him a shout of praise? Come on, we thank you, Lord. I want you to high-five your neighbor while you grab a seat, grab a seat. Can we give the band a big hand? That wasn't a big hand. Can we give the band a big hand? Guys are doing well. Josh, he's still serving. He's just come off the back of three weeks of camp with me. Uh, We're still going strong, ready to roll for Jesus' name. But it is good, and January's been a big month for our church. God's been moving all over the place. God's been up to stuff, but we just have come off the back of some revolution. God did some crazy things across the last two weeks. For the first time, we launched some revolution in the South Island as well in the North Island, and just across the two locations, seen so many young people uh, come to encounter Jesus, come to encounter His love. So many testimonies, in fact, coming off the back of it. I heard even, even just recently of, of some kids going, going to camp uh, with an idea about God. Uh, But even on their way home, just talking to the leaders, saying, I came down to camp with an idea about God, but now I feel like I know God. God isn't an idea, but He's become real to me. I I can feel Him inside of me. I can feel Him. You know, uh, as in in our youth movement, we've had a story going around for a while of a a young girl in one of our environments with self-harming scars all over her hands. And just in a moment of of worship, moment of vulnerability, God removed the scars. I just completely removed them. But... Since then, since God did that miracle, just testifying of that miracle has seen God do it again and again. And even heard back in the South Island, just a young girl, a couple of scars, just gone in a moment of worship. Just, just, just fully erased. What, what once was a symbol of hurt and shame, God's removed it and turned it into a testimony of His goodness and His grace. And uh, but one of my probably one of my one of my highlight moments across the last last couple of weeks is uh, we, the first night down in Cromwell uh, in the South Island. Uh, we're standing there in, in, a, in the auditorium. The first night, first night we've ever been there. And whenever you're running something for the first time, everyone's kind of feeling out the atmosphere. What's the space going to be like? Anyway, the the room down the front was was full of these young people during during praise and worship. And, and I just glanced up towards the back, and and one of the kids that had from from that town had invited his parents uh, to come and check out what's going on. And so his parents were sitting in the top corner, like as far back as they could, just sitting there. This is mom and his dad sitting in their seats right through the craziness of praise, uh, and occasionally giving us the old courtesy clap, just to kind of kind of engage in what we're doing. And anyway, we get up on the first night and speaking and we're doing things, and, and, and we come to this moment, they're pretty disengaged the whole time, uh, but we come, to the, we come to the altar call moment uh, where we're just really calling kids to respond and hand their life over to Jesus and allow Jesus to come into their mess and make them whole and make them clean again. Anyway, their son jumps to his feet. He's sitting on this side of the room, now up the top corner. I see his son 
uh, his son get out of his seat and come running down to the altar. And I look up and then I see his dad stand up in the back of the crowd and just come walking down. And then at the front of the altar, you have a dad handing his life over while a boy is handing his life over. And go, God is in the business of changing families whole households, that even God could use a youth camp to touch a father's life. And they came back, I told afterwards, hey man, just come in every, every night, come and hang out with us. By the end of the night, he's standing, he's praising, he's worshiping, and God just moves so significantly. And I remember reflecting on the back end of it, just thinking, man, if, if people just could know of the goodness of God, if more people could just hear about what we have on for offer, our nation could be touched. If people could just hear. I was on the, I was on the flight home, uh, flying up to go and uh, hang out with some of our young adult leaders. I'm flying up on the plane, and now I've got a middle seat. I was so tired. Like I'd just come on the back of 10 days straight of camps. And I was just so tired. And uh, I'm sitting in the middle seat. And uh, I'm just like fighting myself not to fall asleep because like I've had it before on a plane where someone fell asleep next to me I didn't know and their head landed on my shoulder and they had headphones and it's just the most awkward experience. It's like, what do I do? And so like I pretended to sneeze. Uh, they kind of wake them up and they looked up and, <laughs> and so they, they kind of woke up, but it made it worse because they kind of did like the whole wake up. But then, like, the sleep hit them straight away, and they, fa- and they found more on me. And I was like, this is, this is so awful. Yeah, and, and so I just kind of sat there awkward. And I was sitting in the middle seat like, I don't want to be that guy. Don't let me to be that guy. So I'm fighting in my mind not to, not to fall asleep. And I've given up on coffee. Thank you, Jesus. So I was like, and I didn't want to fold. So I'm just standing there. And uh, I was like, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to get through this. And uh, I'm standing there. Oh, no, I'm sitting there. And uh, I'm sitting on, fighting myself not to fall asleep, so my head kind of gets into a weird space. <laughs> and, then, and so I start reflecting back on just what's happened over the last 10 days, and my heart was just so thankful. Just, just young people, so many testimonies, just the goodness of the grace of God, arresting hearts for His purpose, setting young people on fire for a passion, a passionate life for Him. Just, just reflecting on all that's gone happen. I was, I was thinking about all the guys who even got their eyebrows shaved. Uh, we lost a lot of eyebrows at camp. Uh, in fact, the instigator of a lot of that was Benjamin Greenwood. And uh, I know he's sick, so I think he's, he's watching on live stream. And, uh, you know, what goes around should come around. And um, what you sow, we reap. And so I don't know about you, but whether we could get some sort of social media buy-in uh, for Ben to lose his bed. Uh, and I don't know. I'm just chucking the idea out of there. Beard or eyebrows, he can choose, but what goes around should come around. And so you'll see some of the crew around with half eyebrows or lines in their eyebrows. Uh, But I was just reflecting on everything God did. Um, That was what Ben did, not what God did. But I was was, was tired, so I was a big mess. Uh, And and, uh, I'm I'm sitting in the airplane, and uh, I just start thinking about, about everything God did, but then it just grips my heart for some reason is, is I was so thankful, but at the same time so saddened because I'm just like, if people just knew, like if people could just experience what I've come to know, I'm so thankful someone got me in an environment where I could come to know Jesus. And, and I, was standing, I was sitting there, man, I keep saying standing. I was sitting there, help me through this team, all right? I was sitting there. And just so overwhelmed by the sense of this, our nation right now, 
needs believers to find its voice and share the good news about what God is doing. I'm so thankful that I've encountered the message. But now I've encountered the message, God's entrusted me as a messenger. Now he's actually entrusted in my life the ability to share it around with the people around me and just, just gripped by this idea, gripped by this thought that, that more and more believers, our world needs us to find our voice, needs us to find our voice. Uh, there's a lot of people in this world doing a lot of good, hands down. There's some people doing some good stuff for people. There's a lot of mental health professions doing good things. There's a lot of people doing charity work, doing some good things. But our world needs more than just good things. At the moment, our world needs a move of God. Really, all the, all the good that people are doing is just putting Band-Aids on and addressing the symptoms of the true problem is the fact not enough people know about Jesus. Not enough people know about the house of God. Not enough people know what's going on. And I believe we're living in a time where God needs an army to arise. The people of God to stand up and find their voice to share what we know, to let others in on what God has done in our life. And uh, in thinking about that, I was, uh, I was thinking about a, just a scripture that kept popping in my mind, and it's Matthew 10. Uh, and it's a moment when, when Jesus is commissioning his disciples to, to go out and do the work, to, to spread what Jesus has been doing. He, he commissions them to go out. And he says this, he says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the roofs. Some say, proclaim it from the rooftops. What I whisper to you, the message I have put in you, the grace I have deposited on you, what I've whispered to you, would you then proclaim it to the world around you? This, it, Jesus in this moment is actually referring to a, um, to a Jewish kind of custom where, where if someone was coming in with a new doctrine to, to try and teach some people, what he'd do is he'd find a disciple, the, the doctor or the, or the rabbi would find a disciple and stand them in front of him. And he would stand behind them and whisper into their ear what he was wanting to say. And the disciple's job was just to hear what was whispered and then be the one to proclaim it to the people. I've kind of realized my whole job in life, my whole purpose in life is to hear what God is saying and then just proclaim it to the world around me. To hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit, to hear the whisper of what God is doing, but then be someone who's big enough and brave enough to actually, and has enough compassion in my heart to proclaim it to the world around me. Now, I've come to realize there's probably times in my life, and I'm sure a lot of us in this room, we have actually, I've actually fallen on, on either side of this whole kind of whisper and shout. There's times where, where I've just heard his whisper, and I come to church, and God speaks, and then I go home, and nothing about my life has a, has a shout about Jesus to it. Nothing about my life has a volume about Jesus to it. And there's times where I can just come into church environments and, and, and devotionals. And, and, and yeah, God fills me up and I hear the voice of God and it encourages me, it builds me up. But, but nothing about my life has really had a very strong shout to it. But then I also must say there's, there's probably times in my life where I realize there's also times where I've made a lot of noise but haven't carried the message. Like times where I've been on, been on spaces and, and, and relationships with my world where I've, had a, where I've had a loud noise into somebody's life, but because, because I've missed the whisper or because I've become a bit desensitized to the whisper of the Holy Spirit, I, I'm making noise, but I'm not carrying a message. I, I'm making noise, but I'm not speaking God's word. 
God, God isn't really asking us. He's not commissioning the disciples to go and give the world what you think. He's saying, no, lean into my ear. Lean into what I'm doing. Lean into my spirit. Lean into my word. Lean into my message because i got a new message to bring. So if you'd lean into it and then proclaim it out. Speak it out. So a disciple would stand in front of, in front of a rabbi and he'd whisper and they would shout. And I love the fact that so often when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, sometimes it is, sometimes he knocks you off a donkey, sometimes he hits you, but more often than not, he just whispers. And he whispers, and I believe it's time for, for, for a generation of, of people to rise up and say, we're prepared to shout what the whisper has said, the good news of Jesus. He says, but whisper it from the rooftop. He, tell, he instructs them to go throughout towns, find places. But then he says, when you find a place, I want you to climb onto the roof and turn that place into a platform. Turn that place into a platform. He doesn't say, I don't want you to go around and find platforms. He knows, no, whatever place you find yourself in, turn that place into your platform. And I, I believe all across our city, or every day, Monday to Saturday, we find ourselves in places. But God's putting us in that place and then asking us to turn that place into a platform. And not a platform for our own gain or a platform for our own success, but a platform where we can share the good news and the love of Jesus. Every time where God's placed you in work, turn that into a platform. Where God's placed you in family, turn that space into a platform. Now, I'm not talking about like walking to work and Monday morning, jump up on your desk. And be like, hey, hey, Colonel <laughs> uh, Burn. I'm not talking about that. That I, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about would you would you live a life that leans into the whisper of the Holy Spirit, but then has the courage to live the kind of life that proclaims the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus. But I, I've come to realize there's times, uh, probably in my life, where I've become almost a bit desensitized to the spirit. I've, I've become routined in my disciplines. I've become routined in my church attendance. I've become routined in the things of God. And, and, and we're a part of a church that does have a loud shout. We're part of a church that does want to reach the city. We are part of a, a vibrant, growing church. But sometimes the danger in that is because we're doing it corporately, I can mistake myself and think, no, that's in my life. But no, we're doing it corporately. But am I doing it personally? Is there a sensitivity in me personally? And uh, I want to look at a scripture, a passage tonight that I hope helps us. And this is a passage I opened at Summer Revolution, but I didn't get a chance to finish it because God did some stuff. So I want to just finish this tonight. So young person, lean in again uh, and hear what else God has to say to us. But it's a story in Mark 3. Uh, and I'll jump in at, at verse 1. It says, another time Jesus went to the synagogue and a man with his shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or kill? But they remained silent. He, took, uh, he looked around at anger and deeply distressed. Deeply distressed at their stubbornness of heart. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Everyone say completely restored. Completely restored. Say it again. Completely restored. 
And just one more time, I'm just buying time here, people. I'm just buying time so I can, so I can have a drink. I don't want to emphasize that point, but my throat was killing me. All right. But anyway, you'll remember that completely restored. The good thing about whatever Jesus starts, he, he is faithful and completely restoring. And so if Jesus started a work, he will, he will be faithful in completing that work. Anyway, we got something out of that. Uh, and so <laughs> the book of Mark, we find this story. Now, this story catches my attention uh, mainly because most healings in the Bible that we hear about Jesus talking are, are done on the street. Now, here we find Jesus in a synagogue, like, the, like for the, it was where the, in the Old Testament where the people of God gathered. So in a sense, in the Old Testament, it was their former church. So in a way, you found Jesus doing a healing in church. Most of the times, you find Jesus doing a healing in the street. Why? Because people in the street would come before Jesus and lay themselves out in front of him. He would walk down the street, and they'd be open and honest. They'd just say, Jesus, I need your healing. But this, this is a little different because this time, Jesus does it in church. He does it in church, and, and, and reading commentaries, they talk about this man with the shriveled hand. The likelihood of having this man having his, his hand exposed was very low because a shriveled hand in their time, and, and that represented the fact that either you had sinned or someone in your life had sinned. So the shriveledness of his hand represented the fact that there was sin in his world. So they talk about in the synagogue, because of the pressure, he would have hid his hand. And so everywhere else, you find Jesus walking around the streets, and People are like, Jesus, here's my, oh, Jesus, I got this issue of blood. Here it is. Jesus, I'm paralyzed. I need your help. I'm blind. I'll yell at you until you get, but in church, where do you find the man that's in need of healing? You find him in the corner hiding what's really going on. The only healing, one of the only healings he does in church, and we see that the fact that everywhere else we're open, but for some reason in church, the man is in the corner hiding. What's really going on? The one place we should be most open and honest about the reality of our life. The one place we should be able to come to and go, this is what's going on in my world. I need the power of Jesus right now. The one place he should be most open is the only place we find it where people try and hide. And I wonder even today, life of church, since a young age we're taught to come to church in our Sunday best. And so we come into church, stuff going on, okay to talk about it, the people who complain about it around, but we come into church and for some reason there's still that pressure that I can't really expose that here. The one place we should be most honest, the devil has got us believing we should be hiding. And he calls out the man and says, if you'd stretch it out, and this is what we talk about at camp, if you'd stretch it out, God could heal it. If you'd expose it, God could do something with it. And that's the honest truth even about tonight. Whatever's going on in your world, you understand this, in the house of God, you don't have to hide. In the house of God, you don't have to feel like you've got to sit in the corner and act like you've got it all together. No, this is a place where you can come and find healing. It's a place where you come and expose what's going on, the struggle you're going through, and God can touch it and heal it. But he does, first of all, call for the man to be bold enough and brave enough to be honest and let people in on what he's going through. It's the same for us today. And so Jesus does this, but, uh, you know, when you look at, a, when you look at a, a story, when you look at a moment in Scripture, you, you find the fact that uh, 
These, Jesus tells us stories and they record stories because there's different characters that represent different things. So that's why that guy character. And, and sometimes we, we look at stories like this and we like to identify ourselves sometimes as either the innocent person or we like, every now and again like to identify like we're like Jesus. Uh, we're just awesome like Jesus. But probably a little bit more often than what we'd like to m- admit, we're not really the innocent and we're not really Jesus. Uh, more often than we'd like to admit, we've probably got a little bit of the other guys in our life. Guys, the Pharisees, and others in church who, who are standing there and Jesus is trying to work a miracle, but because they're so routine, they're just missing what God's trying to do. Jesus is trying to move in a way but because they're so routine and they lost something of the sensitivity, they're okay for God to move, but only for God to move in the paradigms in which they're comfortable with, which is known. But I've come to realize Jesus doesn't always work inside the known. Often Jesus wants to push us into the unknown. And, you, and, and sometimes we get so stuck in a routine of our life. I do church on Sunday, I do work on Monday, I do this on... And, and we get so disciplined in our routine that in it we lose the, the sensitivity to what God's actually trying to speak to us. We try and live so much in the knowing when God's trying to push us into the unknown. And so you've got a room full of people where God's trying to move, but everyone's just so caught up. And what, what Jesus wasn't annoyed at or what he wasn't distressed at is the fact there was a man in the room with a bit of mess. He wasn't distressed about that. What he was distressed about was the stubbornness of their hearts. So often we think it's our mess that causes us to be disqualified. I've found out oh, often it's not my mess, it's more my stubbornness that hinders what God can do in my life. That st- this stubbornness and and uh, we just get caught up going through the motions. So just quickly, I, 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 I really believe, I love what Jesus did here because he walked into a room and had a, not just a shout about the rules, not just a shout about, he had the shout of grace in that room. People who heard the message of Jesus, not so much by what he said, but what he did in that room. And I, I want to quickly look at this and go, well, what can we learn from the story that would help us to live louder lives for Jesus this year. Anyone want to live a louder life for Jesus this year? Come on, you want your life to make more noise about the goodness and grace of Jesus? First thing I want to say, we kind of covered this, so I'll just jump in as we want. We need to be prepared to follow God's prompting, not my routine. It's good to have disciplines, but most thing I need in my life is a sensitivity to God's prompting. Yes, I am routine in my workplace, but in my workplace, I find the fact that I allow the Holy Spirit's prompting in that space. Uh, yeah, I'm routine. For some of us, it's like we've got routines in about our week, and the Holy Spirit, there's a prompting to start an e-group. There's a prompting to get engaged more, but we try and lean more towards the knowing of our routine that we're missing the prompting of what God's trying to do in our heart. And we need to be, if we want to be a church that can shout the grace of God, we need to be people that are open to the prompting of the Spirit of God, that have hearts that are willing to break down our routine so God could do something. God can move in a way, move in a way that we haven't yet seen. Uh, Let's just jump through these. The, The second thing I want to say is, we got, so the first one is follow God's promptings, not my routine. 
But the second thing is, if we want our lives to have a shout, we've got to be prepared to break the rules. We've got to be prepared to break the rules. Uh, it, was th- it was funny watching the difference between a North Island summer revolution, we were done it for six years now, and a South Island summer revolution. North Island, you're like yelling at kids, go to bed! You know, and like, <laughs> you're like, it's like real like trying to keep everyone safe. Uh, South Island, I had to get up at one of the night services and said, if I find another person in bed before 11 o'clock, <laughs> we're going to drag you out of your tent and throw you in the lake. <laughs> It was like, like, Northern is like, oh, keep it safe. Cause, why? Because I'm not, they know, they know. <laughs> but South Island, they're just so, they're so neat and nice. And I was like, until you, as a, I had to tell them, once they usually just start yelling at you, that's just a sign you got to go a little further. Uh, and and it, <laughs> I had to get something inside their spirits without we're prepared to break the rules. Like, 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 be a young person that has a fire in your soul, a, a bit of re- rebellion in there. Because that's what God, why, why? Because because we actually need to harness that for the purpose of God. We don't need, we don't need believers that are, that, are, that are bowing down to the rules of society. That are just bowing down to the rules of the culture around us. But get something of a rule break, breaker in our spirit. Something of a rule breaker in our spirit. I love the fact last year, one lunchtime program, some boys did a gathering and led 32 young people to Jesus at lunchtime in a public school. That, that's breaking the rules. You ain't allowed to do that. They broke the rules of Jesus. Yeah, the, the school gave us the okay, but, but the social climate of that school says, no, you don't do that. You don't do that as a young person. You're not that passionate about Jesus. You're not that, but we got some young people that are prepared to break the rules to break the rules. And I, I believe we need more people that are prepared to break the rules, to deliver the message of grace. There's rules, social rules all around us. Some of the rules we've got to break are the rules we've set up for ourselves. You, you hear stories about people doing great things with God, but in, in your heart, you'll set up a rule that you're too shy for that. I've seen people break that rule and God do something great. Some of the hardest rules to break are the rules we set up for ourselves. I'm just too insecure for that. Oh, I just don't know if I could risk that. It's like, no, you've got to break that rule. I'm not someone who talks about Jesus. Well, 2019, break that rule. I'm not that kind of person who just prays for someone in the street. Or, or someone in my workplace is going through someone. I'm, I hear the stories, but I'm just not that kind of person who would go, hey, can I pray for you? 2019, break that rule. Break that rule in your life. Break those rules. If we want to shout about Jesus, I love the fact Jesus walks in the synagogue and I'm looking at him like, will he break the rules? Jesus is like, I sure will break the rules on purpose just to annoy you. It's the, the heart of Jesus. He broke the rules of religion. He broke the rules. He broke the, the rules around the punishment of sin for our life. I love the fact that my life, I really, my, my, my faith in Jesus is a representation of a 24-year-old that broke the rules. I was a, I was a 15, 16-year-old kid who was, who was a bit unsure about where to go after this whole God thing. So on Friday nights, a, a 24-year-old uh, a youth leader decided we had youth on a Wednesday night. Uh, about every Friday night, because yeah, that's when the danger happens. Uh, on Friday night, he'd made the commitment to come picking me up and taking me skateboarding every Friday night. Me and one other guy who is now the youth pastor on the Harborside Church, he'd come and picked us up for, for about three years through our senior years at high school. Every Friday night, we got off the bus at his flat, 
jump in his car, he'd take us skating, hang out. Why a 24-year-old shouldn't be caring about a about a 15-year-old? He said, I'm gonna break the rules on what a 24-year-old should be doing. And out of his own time, his own pocket, his own money, broke the rules on what society should say a 24-year-old should be cared about, should be caring about his own career, should be caring. No, in that season, he cared about a group of kids, believed in a group of kids, and was committed to breaking the rules for them. I'm so thankful. I don't want to say this year, we've got to break some rules, people. Some of those rules that have been long-standing in your life, break them. Our first time I came to Equipus, <laughs> I came from a bit more of a conservative environment. I had a rule in my life. I don't jump like that. <laughs> I don't praise like that. But I had to allow God to break that rule because it wasn't something God had set up. It was a routine that turned into a rule. It was a routine that turned into a rule. The next thing is... Not void of words. We've got to be not void of words, but we've got to be louder in action. Not void of words, but louder in action. Jesus said, well, what's better to do? Save a life or kill a life? He said some stuff, but he was louder in his demonstration of the goodness and the grace of God. I want to say this. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of good people, workplaces, and, and, and demonstrating, but I want to say we, we, we can't be void of words. We actually, at times, there is a time where you got to open your voice, you got to open your mouth, and actually talk about God, talk about the conversation of church, talk about what God's doing. But you can only, but when you do that, make sure your life is talking louder in action than the volume of your words. The, 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 the world doesn't need more people being loud in words but low in action. Loud about God, but low in the way we live about God. We need loud in our action and then open in our words. I love the fact, I heard a story, an old story of, of someone, a, a, a lady who, who went to teacher's college uh, and, and trained with someone uh, and, for, and then became friends and every week and would ride around and they'd have coffee. For, for 10 years, this journey went on. The lady was going through some stuff, and, 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 and so for 10 years, they start up this relationship. And for 10 years, this, this, this lady who knew about church, knew about God, just demonstrated the grace of God. But then when she'd come around, when she'd give wisdom, she'd always speak scripture. She'd always, and so it was, an, it was a combination between words and action. And I believe our, our world does not just need demonstration. It also needs words. It needs invitation. People just need prompting. People just need asking. But when you do that, make sure your life is demonstrating more in action about His goodness and grace. So we're going to be not void of words, but louder in action. And uh, I love this last thing is we've got to be willing to be misunderstood sometimes. We can't be afraid of being misunderstood. Jesus was misunderstood for a whole crowd so He could reach one person. He was prepared to let a whole synagogue misunderstand him so he could touch the life of one person. There is times we were going to be misunderstood. If you don't know that, it's in the Bible. Jesus, they hated him, they're going to hate us. Jesus is pretty clear about the time. Not everyone's always going to get. But are we prepared to be misunderstood by the many so we could even reach a few? And even in your workplace, in your family, in different environments and sports teams where we find ourselves in high schools, universities, there's going to be times where people don't understand. But if I'm prepared to be misunderstood so some could not come to know Jesus, I'm prepared to break that rule and do that. We've got to be prepared to be misunderstood so some could know him. But just to finish off, last thing I want to say is, is we do need a, a, a church, an army, a group of people who are 
who are willing to rise and find their voice. Find their voice about God. Find their voice. Find their expression in our world. Listen to the whisper, but find their voice. I love the fact that, you know, for the church to find its voice, the church will become louder as believers become louder. I love, you know, the band can sing a song, but then a group of, of passionate young people in the middle of the room can just sing their own lyrics, and they can override this whole thing and shift what everyone else is singing. Just a small group of people passionate about to sing something that's a little different than what's coming in can catch a whole room. And although there's a big PA, a group of passionate people can ignite a new sound in a room. And right now, our world needs a new sound. It needs the sound of love, the sound of encouragement, the sound of hope. Come on, the sound of a better day. The world needs a greater sound. But what it doesn't need is it's just a big corporate thing to come over. What it needs is some people, some individuals to get prepared to get loud enough where they're at, to get on the rooftops of the places they find themselves and get loud about Jesus. And we believe if a group can get passionate enough, perhaps it could catch on. A groundswell of people rising up saying, I'm prepared to make some noise about Jesus. I'm prepared to not just make a sound, but proclaim the whisper of heard. And so tonight, there's probably two, two sides of this in this room. Some of you, you've heard a lot. God's spoken, God's done some stuff. But you recognize tonight, 2019, my life needs to get louder about Jesus. You need to make that commitment. You need to do some of that stuff. Break routine, break the rules. And then there's some other people and you're living big lives. But you've lost the sound of the whisper of the Holy Spirit. So when you make noise, it just doesn't seem to have the same impact. Because we've lost the message. So we're prepared to live big, but the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is gone. So the effectiveness of our our, our declaration of Jesus has lost something. And uh, there's one last scripture as we jump to our feet I just want to finish by praying for people in this room Matthew 10 the scripture before the first one I read in the message version says this do not be intimidated eventually everything good is going to be out in the open and everyone will know how things are really are so don't hesitate to go public now Don't. Paul also writes in Romans that that, that if the people would hear, they would be saved, but who's going to preach it? Who's going to let them know? And, uh, but in this in the scripture, in, in Matthew 10, 26, it says, don't be intimidated. In some uh, translations, just don't, uh, it, it says, uh, do not be afraid. Some say it says, fear not. But that word translated there is, is often used in other passages as the word fear. Don't, don't fear. But there's kind of two types of fear that's kind of used around Scripture. One, one talks about just being terrified. One just talks about kind of this terror or this dread coming in. But this fear, the way it's translated, is actually what it means. It means a fear. It means to put to flight by terror. It's not just I'm nervous about that. It's when I go to do something, I'm put to flight. It's like I move away. It's like, has an, like, a, like I believe every believer who knows Jesus wholeheartedly wants to be loud about Jesus in their world. But for some of us in this room, fears gripped you and put you to flight when it comes to doing what you know God's calling you to do. Maybe it's starting an e-group. You know God's calling that. There's the whisper. But, but fears put you to flight and cause you to move away from that. 
Maybe there's people you know, I just need to have that conversation. But fear keeps putting you to flight. I want to pray tonight that God would break that fear off. That that fear is not of Him, where the enemies tried to hinder and hold back. God would break that fear off tonight. And so right now, just hands lifted high. Come on, if that's you, why don't you just respond in your own way, in your own heart. But God, we pray. Lord, your love casts out all fear. And God, tonight we pray. Lord, where people have had a desire in their heart, but fear has gripped them from living louder about you, from living bolder about you. God, we declare fear would fall off. Lord, where it's caused to put people to flight. God, we declare fear would come off in Jesus' name. Lord, a courage would arise in hearts. Lord, a determination. Lord, to live loud lives about you. Loud lives about your goodness. Loud lives about your grace. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if the guys can just sing a song for a moment, but for some of you in the room, maybe you're here and the sensitivity, you realize you're going through the routines, but you lost something of the sensitivity. I believe even in the room tonight, it's like God wants to restore that sensitivity. God's always speaking, but do we have an ear that's leaning in? So come on, I just believe the guys sing the song and for some of us, God's gonna minister and break fear. And for some of us, God's gonna bring a sensitivity back. He's going to bring his voice to be clear again as you lean in. Come on, let's sing.